Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, live from the Auction Community Studios on this Monday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, did you have a good weekend? As a matter of fact, I did. Had a wonderful weekend. How about yourself, Luke? Very, very good weekend. Yeah, very good weekend. Yes, very good. A little bit of downtime, was there? No, not no, really. No, of course. But, but, <laughs> but you know what? You countered it as good, didn't you? Yes. I'm just going to enjoy everything that's going on. March Madness has been very entertaining. The Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I'm running out of words for the Phoenix Suns. I honestly, right now, um, I I don't know what to say either. It really is incredible to watch this team repeat, rinse and repeat over and over and over again the same formula and how they go ahead and beat teams. And I'm talking about not just any team, not just the the Houston Rockets, the worst team in the association. Oh no, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the best teams in the league. They did it again to the 76ers. So I w- this is where I was for the last 15 minutes as I was researching this, okay? So here's the numbers I have for you. The Suns have a 9-game lead. They're 61 and 14. They have a 9-game <laughs> lead on the rest of the league with 7 games to go, okay? Oh my goodness. As far as I can tell, the last time a team had the best record in the NBA by more than 9 games at the end of the season was in 2000. So we're talking 22 okay. years. Okay. It was the Lakers over the Decades. Pacers by 11. Yeah, seriously. And it's not like it happened a bunch right before that. So the Lakers did it by 11 over the Pacers. And then I believe the 91-92 Bulls, 10 games over Portland. So we're talking twice in the last 30 years that somebody... And look, the Suns may only win by only by eight. But to have a nine-game lead at this point, well, that's including the 72-win Bulls team. They didn't have that big of a lead over the league. The 73-win Warriors team didn't have that big of a lead over the league. Yes. This is unbelievable what they're doing. It is. That is some great context right there. And context really does matter, Basinonians. You have to talk about the context of this game. Would you say going in against the 76ers, the the expectation was it was going to be a pretty physical game? Yes. Yes, of course. They didn't have maybe its most physical player in JaVale McGee. Out with a non-COVID illness. Think about that. Did not have him in that game. The Suns are playing for nothing, and the 76ers, of course, are playing for all sorts of seeds. They're playing for everything. They are playing for everything. We should pause on that for a second. It's not just, oh, we're going to be the one seed over the two seed. No, you avoid Brooklyn in the first round. There are four teams right now that are vying for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and the 76ers are one of them. And the Suns went ahead and locked them down and shut them down like they were Houston in the fourth quarter. Uh-huh. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> way to put it. I, I, this is what we're talking about right now. When you say a pack of dogs, when we talk about that, people of the Sun, you need to understand that this is, this is ridiculous what we're just seeing right now out of the Suns. And, and what they do and how they do it. And they, they do it over and over again. I, I am at a loss for the professionalism. The greatness of this team is found in the hearts and the minds of its players. The win yesterday 
And again, to put it in perspective, if Philadelphia wins that game, a game that they led by double digits, if they won that game, they'd be in first place right now in the Eastern Conference. Instead, they are they're in a tie for third right now, uh, but a half game back in Miami and Boston. The point is that just that game meant a lot more to Philadelphia, and yet the Suns win again. And honestly, Wolf, we're getting to the point now where I can't imagine the Suns. I can't picture this team losing home games in the playoffs. Can you? Like maybe one here or there. No, but they just feed off the crowd. And and yesterday, you know, that game's going. How many Suns fans? Philadelphia is a very good team, and that's the reason I bring up the the distance between the Suns and everybody else is for the context of Philadelphia is one of the few teams that might be able to win the title other than the Suns this year. And yet, with Philadelphia up even by as much as they were, how many Suns fans really thought the Suns were out of it? I would guess. Nobody thought yeah. they were out of it. You know what's amazing about it as well, Luke, to that point right here? The Suns wanted to win the game yesterday. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. They wanted to win that game. Guess what? So they did. <laughs> That's why I'm fine with them not flipping the switch off and back on. I, I, exactly right. They wanted to win that game yesterday. So they did, Basin audience. This is the great thing about it right here. They played Chris Paul 36 minutes. In this game. Okay, Chris Paul, 36 minutes. Now, now I said they played Chris Paul. I, I don't know. Maybe Chris Paul told him, hey, Monty, I'm just telling you right now. I'm not you're, not taking me, you're not <laughs> taking me out of this game. They played him 36 minutes, and there was a moment where they had a 101-90 to 90 lead in this game. Chris Paul came out of the game for a minute, and the 76ers went on an 8-0 run. Do you remember oh, that yeah. part of the oh, game? Yeah. <laughs> and what happened? Here he comes. Here comes Chris Paul, and the Suns eventually win by 10. Uh, it just it's amazing the lockdown shutdown the fact that they can find that button and press that button when they need it most i'm telling you right now people of the sun luke that's something you just don't see unless you're talking about great basketball teams great football teams great hockey team great teams are able to do that find that button and push it when they need it most that's why i'm i'm at the point and I know there's risk involved with this strategy. You've got seven games left. I'm not saying run Chris Paul out there for 40 minutes every game. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not, I'm not saying don't be smart about things. But I really don't want the Suns to change what they're doing much. No. First of all, they, they have a break anyway because the actual playoffs, not the play-in, but the actual playoffs aren't going to start till April 16th, and their last game is April 10th against Sacramento. So the playoffs are going to start for the Suns April 16th or 17th, which is just under three weeks away from, from today. Um, I I don't I don't want them to take their foot off the gas now. You're seven games away. Yeah. I just want them to keep doing what they're doing. Can you imagine if the playoffs started tomorrow? How good we would feel about the Phoenix Suns. Whereas if they you know rested a bunch of guys and not it's not even the win loss record. I think they could still win with their bench against a lot of these teams down the stretch. But it's just if you rested a bunch of guys and you didn't look the same and you were kind of sluggish. I mean these are. These are nice problems to have, and, and we're looking for problems. But I'll just flip it the other way. If the playoffs started tomorrow, who's picking against the Suns? Yeah, who's picking against the Suns, man? I, I don't know. You know, it just I, – I thought the Suns wanted to send the 76ers a Sicilian message as well. You know, just a, hey, a little reminder, if we do play you, <laughs> if we do play you in the postseason for the whole t- – for everything, guess what? You're in trouble. I honestly felt that. A little Sicilian message. Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you right now, I did this my first my first ever game against the Dallas Cowboys. Bill Boy Bates, of course, 
the legendary Bill Boy Bates. Google it, my young crunks. Bill Bates is the reason why we send a special teams player to the Pro Bowl every year. He's the reason why we do it. That and John Madden. Because John Madden started pointing out the things that Bill Boy Bates was doing, especially on kickoff cover. So Fox would go ahead and just focus. Focus their attention. Have one camera on Bill Boy Bates wherever he went. That's the reason why I got so jacked up to play him. And I will tell you right now, Luke, the first time I played him, I was running down the field trying to block Bill Boy Bates, punching him in the face the whole time, running and punching him in the face the whole time. And he was just doing the same thing back to me, punching him, and he's punching me. And all of a sudden, at the end of the play, I got all gothic on him. And I go, Bill, you created me, Bill. I started talking to him. Yes, you're better has come, Bill. You know, I I started talking to him about it. I started res. I just wanted him to know from every every point, from this point on, every game that we play, I'm just telling you right now, I'm gonna be punching in the face <laughs> all the way down the field. It was it was like a Sicilian message, right? And Bill Boy Bates, he he dealt it, baby. He handed it out much better than he took it. Okay, I'm just telling you that right now. He was punching me in the face as well. And he never said a word to me. But I wanted to send him that message. Guess what? I felt that watching this last night. That the sons were like, hey, just if we do happen to meet you in the finals, guess what? Taste this. Who haven't? They sent that message to everybody. I mean, I, I guess the only argument that could be made is they're one and two against Golden State. That's it. That's the only argument you could make. And also, along the lines of if they were to play Philadelphia, which would have to be in the finals, Mikel Bridges has pretty consistently just slammed the door on James Harden this season. It's incredible. 12 points with Brooklyn back on November 27th. He had 14 last night. He had 22 against the Suns on February 1st, also with Brooklyn. So he's played, Harden's played the Suns three times this season, and he was nowhere to be found for stretches of that game. And I know there's always that thought of, well, that's James Harden in a big game. Yeah, that was more than, than James Harden disappearing in a big game yesterday. That was Mikel Bridges. We've seen it quite a few times now. Uh, all right, coming up next, just how good is this Suns team? Plus, what's next for the Cardinals this offseason? It sounds like they are signing somebody today, and actually, if they are, well, if we're going to be talking to him at 1130. Ooh. Yeah. Show sheet. New show sheet was just handed to me. Uh, but what's uh, what's next for the Cardinals? We're going to talk to Dave Pash next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Flat top, slicked back. Wolf and Luke. The Cardinals are signing free agent guard Will Hernandez, who we're going to talk to later on in the show. Wolf, um, so good thing, yeah, good thing that Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a no fight policy like the A. <laughs> We'd be in trouble right there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, brawler. Well, we'll get uh, we'll get into that and more. Actually, joining us right now on the seventy two sold sports line is the voice of the Arizona Cardinals and an ESPN broadcaster who can obviously give us some insight on the Suns as well. Dave Pash is joining us. Uh, Dave, let's start with the Cardinals though, in the, in the news of uh, of adding Will Hernandez to the offensive line. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm great, fellas. Um, you know, I was 
I had this whole speech prepared because I figured you guys were going to ask why haven't they signed anybody, <laughs> and they and they just signed a starter on the offensive line, obviously <laughs> filling a need. So I guess I don't have to tell you the whole story now. No, I had all planned. No, you know what, David? You're going to have to tell us everything. You know that ilk, the <laughs> hoddle. You listen. Your thoughts, your reaction right now of Will Hernandez. Well, so the whole story was, and I think I told this. Uh, to Bick and Murata when I was out with them a few weeks ago. I, you know, I've been working a lot with Hubie Brown, who you guys know well. Hubie is 88 years old. Uh, he's in his 50th year as part of the NBA, either as a coach or as a broadcaster. And one of his first jobs in the NBA was an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks. They were coming off winning a championship in the early 70s. He was an assistant coach. Back then, you had only one. And on that Bucks team, you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was very young at the time, and a very old Oscar Robertson. Uh, they ended up losing and not winning the championship. The GM and Hubie and Larry Costello, the head coach, they take this trip to Vegas right after they lose. And it's just the three of them uh, apart from families. And they basically just hunker down for a week in Vegas. And they meet for hours on end. In the first meeting, uh, after getting close to winning a championship and falling short, basically everybody was traded except Kareem. Okay? And, <laughs> and by the end of the week, they didn't trade a single person. Oh. And, and, and the point the point is as I, as I took away from that is you know what let's settle down let's take a step back look at how, look at what we accomplished how close we are and then let's tinker a little bit but let's not make these major moves that we really don't know if that's going to get us any closer to a title and honestly i think that's i think the cardinals took a similar approach they re-signed their priority guys clearly Zach Ertz James Conner, Colt McCoy were three, and Max Williams. Max Williams. Priority guys. Bring them back. Justin And Pugh. then let's figure out, okay, where are the holes that we can add talented players that have starting experience in the NFL? And they just did that in signing Will Hernandez. So uh, I, I, I'm just glad that they were able to uh, – because I felt like there was something coming. You know Steve Kime and the Cardinals. There's all, It just uh, – I don't know when it was going to happen, but you felt like it was close. They were going to make something happen here this week, and they just did. I love the fact, David, that you told that story right there, because to me, when I look at the free agent signings the Cardinals have done, I, I get excited. Now, you know me. I get excited. I think it's going to be a more physical team because of what the signings say to me about 12 personnel and two tight ends. This I could be dead wrong on this, David, but I think they're going to be a more physical team. What I love about the signings, too, bringing back the players that they have, it says, to your point, it says, we were 10-2. and 10-2 and two happened. That was real. Um, and they don't want to go away from that. Now, how they finish down the stretch, they got to figure that out. I think we both agree on that one right there. But I love the fact that it does say we were 10 and 2. That was real, and we're going to try to replicate it. Having said that, David, I'll ask you about the, the news that came out in regard to practicing with the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Your thoughts on this, big guy? <laughs> Uh, if that, you know, you talk about physicality, Wolf, that's what you want. I know you love it. I know as an old school guy, it like pains you 
to sit and watch training camp practices the way they are structured now in the age that we live in in the NFL. Yes. So the idea of going up against anybody you know is going to raise the the blood pressure of of these guys. And to to have it be a team that's, you know, Mike Brabel coach team, if that's how it all shakes out here and that's what happens. And maybe I missed it. I didn't see anything official on this. But if if that does happen, I love it because I think that's a good thing to have that early on, Um, you know, before you get to the season where – because – to me, I don't know if you, Wolf, I feel like training camp for this coming year and even the preseason, it's like get to the regular season. Just get to the regular season. None of this matters. You know, it's two years in a row you started well and you didn't finish strong, so get to the regular season. But now you have something, if this again happens, yes, you have something that you can point to that's, okay, this, this, is, this is something to look forward to. Totally agree, man. I'm all jacked up on that, David. I just hope Mike Vrabel's got it right. <laughs> he came out and said, please, Mike, please make sure this actually happens. For Wolf's sake, this I needs to happen. Gonna, yeah, I think it's going to be big for the Cardinals. Uh, Dave, Wolf, I want to see, see you and Vrabel's square off. That's what I want. I want you and Braves square He'd kill me off. right now, David. You know that. I mean, he, he just, he, please. I'd put the helmet on him now. I'll tr- trust me on that one. I'd put it right in his sternum. You'll go down me. swinging it. Yeah, least. that's right. Uh, Dave, while we have you... One of my favorite... Yeah, go ahead. Real quick, one of my favorite things is just there was one time Jack Del Rio, I, can't, I think he was the head coach of the Raiders <laughs> at the time, and I'm down there with Wolf on the sideline, and Wolf goes over and he and Jack start talking to each other, and it's like they were sizing each other up. <laughs> it was hilarious. Just kind of watching Wolf with these old school guys, and Jack was a great linebacker for a long time in the NFL. It's just funny to watch the two of them. Like these dudes could go at it. Like if, 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 if a whistle, an inadvertent whistle from a coach blew, they were going to just go at it. <laughs> All right. Well, there's hope then for, oh, for the memories. This year. Indeed. Uh, we're talking to Dave Pash. Uh, Dave, switching gears to the Suns real quick here. They have an 18 game winning streak, an 11 game winning streak, an eight game winning streak, and now they're working on another eight game or possibly more winning streak. We're just trying to put it in the context. I'm not even looking historically against all time great teams. I'm just looking in the context of the rest of the league right now and trying to figure out who is close to being their equal. Do you see anybody around them? Not not to say that though this guarantees they're going to win the title, but I mean who's who's the next team that they're going to have to really deal with? Well, look, there's no question that they are a team on a mission. And I did their I've actually got their game Wednesday at Golden State. I had their game in Miami and talking with Monty Williams, this was actually part of our open of the telecast. Um, was Monty saying, I want to win this game badly. Um, because at the time, Miami was first in the East, and the Suns were first in the West. And we asked them, you know, how do you approach these games? And I'm guessing, you know, the game yesterday, the approach was similar. Like, hey, we haven't accomplished anything yet. We haven't won a championship. We still have a lot to prove. These games are important. So I'm guessing the mentality is going to be the same the rest of the way. Um, the, the, the issue is... Look, the Warriors aren't healthy. They haven't been healthy. They haven't been whole yet. That's coming, you would think, when the playoffs start. Uh, Philly, Brooklyn. You still don't know yet about Brooklyn when you get to the playoffs. And obviously, the Suns wouldn't have to play those teams until you get to the finals. But I guess my point is, while things are great in the regular season, it is still the regular season. They've been the best team. There's no question. 
Uh, I'm fortunate enough and blessed enough to be part of the voting process for all the awards. And I'm starting to kind of look through it all. And I got a lot of sons on my list uh, for good reason. But I still think come playoff time, some of these teams that – you know, are sliding now, you got to look at who's playing and who's not playing. The Suns have been able to overcome injuries and illnesses and COVID and all that. And I think that a lot of that is because of their mindset of every game for us right now is important and, and we're not going to settle for for anything other than finishing strong. David, Disney could not have written a better script for this Final Four. Are you kidding me? Duke, North Carolina, just your thoughts on that game, David. Yeah, you know, first of all, as somebody who... You know, Hubert Davis, I got to work with very very early on in my career at ESPN for a couple of years. And I love Hubert. He had a huge impact on me and still does. And it's funny. The guy is so positive and so gracious. My wife, who you know, this has been you know, it's 15, 17 years ago, still will say to me, and you know me, Wolf, I can get grouchy from time to time. <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes, you know, you get a little uh, tired of, of you know, talking to people, sometimes you just want your alone space. And, and my wife will say, well, why, why can't you just be like Hubert? Just be gracious, be kind. <laughs> um, and he, I'm so happy for him. And I honestly think that approach worked with these guys. He stayed positive. He stayed encouraging. They were not playing well for a good part of the year. But, man, they turned it on at the end of the season. Obviously, the win at Duke did a lot for this team. And you can kind of see his his imprint on that team and his positivity and grace. I mean, it's, this is a big deal. You guys are like, people are talking about John Shire taking over for coach K and, you know, who's going to replace Jim Beheim, whatever he, you know, steps down to take, to fill in, to take over for a legend, a hall of fame coach, and to take them to the final four in your first year as first year as a head coach. That is a huge deal. Yeah, that's a great point. Dave passed great points as always, Thank man. You, Thank you David. for your time. All right, guys. Take it easy. Okay, brother. That's Dave Pass joining us on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com and text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, we come back. How promising is it that the Cardinals are going to have joint practices with the Titans during the preseason this upcoming year? And uh, they did sign Will Hernandez. We'll get more into that next as well. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I'm having trouble trying to sleep I'm counting sheep but running out Alright, Wolf, it's, uh, it is out there that the Arizona Cardinals will uh, practice against the Titans at some point during training camp. We don't have a whole lot of details beyond that. But uh, Mike Vrabel, according to Jim Wyatt, Mike Vrabel said the Titans plan to practice against the Buccaneers and the Cardinals in Nashville during training camp. That's Do we have any sound whatsoever on this? No, we Just don't. Just you Do yelling. Is this really happening? Is this happening? That's what I want to know right now. Is this Why are you so excited about this? Happening? Well, first of all, what is the obvious? When you say the Tennessee Titans, let me let me get your response on this. 
What do you think of? I I think of Derrick Henry, and I think of physicality. Oh, boy, we've got a winner. There it is right there. Um, The physicality of the Tennessee Titans. I, I think this is, by far and away, the most physical team in the National Football League, the Tennessee Titans. And going into last season, I was saying the exact same thing. The physicality. I love the fact that the Arizona Cardinals were playing the Tennessee Titans to start the season last year. Because I thought all of training camp, and I know this, because you think of who that first opponent is going to be. And I'm not talking about the preseason games you were playing. No, you don't think about that stuff. Preseason, get the games over, get out. The first team that you're playing in the regular season, especially a team like the Tennessee Titans, the physicality of the Tennessee Titans, that'll get your attention and focus you all the way through training camp. So the Tennessee Titans are one of the more physical teams, if not the most physical team in the NFL. And oh, by the way, Basinonians, guess what? They use more two tight ends than anybody in the league. <laughs> That's why you're so excited about this. <laughs> I have to laugh at it. Get so... Man, it fires me up on this Monday. It's got to be a Metallica Monday from this day. From this point forward, it is now a Metallica Monday. <laughs> from this Monday. day forward. <laughs> from this day and this point of this day, it's a Metallica Monday hear from going Vrabel? forward. I have right Vrabel now. with the you announcement. Have, yeah. No way. Yeah. Vrabel. I mean, he's not live in the studio with us, but I have the audio of okay. Mike Vrabel. I think that it, not only is it an evaluation, but it's also a preparation. These are good football teams. I mean, you saw what Arizona did to us in the first week of the season. It's a, it's a talented team. It's a fast team. We know how good Tampa Bay is. And so these are opportunities for us to prepare. And, and also, the value in our team. And, you know, we have to, you know, with, with Bruce and Cliff do a great job of scheduling these practices and doing it in the safest, most competitive way possible. I I am being bombarded right now and don't even know where to start on this one. Think about this. When you hear me talk about the blending of the old and the new, right? The new schemes and the old schemes for offensive football. The blending of the two and what is happening to the National Football League. I think the Tennessee Titans do it better than anybody else. Anybody else. But guess what? Who are the two teams the Tennessee Titans are going to train against in training camp? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the old school of Bruce Arians and the Arizona Cardinals and the new school of Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. You're going to literally practice against those two teams and you look at the Tennessee Titans offense and what they do and how they blend the old and the new. That's exactly why I'm jacked up and hoping the Arizona Cardinals are going to do the same. Yeah, that, that's the key, is the Cardinals need to do the same. Because it makes a lot of sense if you're Tennessee. Mike Vrabel knows Tom Brady really well. He knows Cliff Kingsbury very well. He knows what you're saying. You bring in you bring in Tampa to be the old school half of what Tennessee does. You bring in the Cardinals to be the new school half. That's fine. What, the Cardinals got to get something out of it, too. And so I hear what you're saying. Is this What's yes. the Cardinals' angle on this? We heard Vrabel's angle. Okay. What's the Cardinals' angle on this? 12 personnel. <laughs> Have you heard me talk about 12 personnel at all? Well, 12 personnel. Here we go. They almost have to do that at this point for a couple reasons. One, I don't know what's going to happen to you if they don't do 12 personnel a little bit this upcoming season. That might be the most pressing. I'm due. The second one, though, is is they haven't, and and they've gone out and they added Will Hernandez today. And and we can get into the bigger philosophical conversation of this. Brawler, by the way. Yeah. Um, But if you're, 
if you take the team you had last year and you don't add pieces to it, I'm not trying to minimize Hernandez and Gladney and, 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 the, and uh, Nick Vigil that they've added so far. Sure. But if you don't add anything of significance above what you had and then you lose Chandler Jones and you don't change your philosophy at all, then you really open yourself up to criticism if the same thing happens sure. next year. Now, if you change your philosophy, that's not a cosmetic change. That is a behind-the-scenes, we want to win more games at the end of the season change. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about that, Luke. But I will tell you right now, this the hope that I have, Basin Onions, it's... It's just the fact that Tennessee is so physical again, and the Arizona Cardinals have not practiced with another team since 2016. Wow. 2016. This is the first in the Cliff Kingsbury era where they'll be practicing, and they haven't done it before that even. 2016. I think it was the Chargers. The last team they actually practiced yeah, with. Yeah, that, that sounds is a, right. So, it was anyways, in San Diego wasn't it? Immediately, by the fact that you're going to do this going into the third preseason game against the Tennessee Titans, the fact that you're doing this right now, it tells me this is going to be the most physical training camp in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Um, immediately, that is the first thing you think of right there. Oh, and it happens to be against the Tennessee Titans, who have a big running back in Derrick Henry, where they put his toes at seven and have him attack the line of scrimmage and then use play action to throw the ball in rundown situations. They use more two tight ends than any team in the league, and the Arizona Cardinals picked that team to go and actually practice against. Do you think there's going to be any type of scouting going on in that whatsoever? What kind of plays do they run? How do they run those plays? It's not like the Arizona Cardinals don't have tape, ladies and gentlemen, but to go see it up close and personal, to go see it and be able to talk to coaches, coaches from the AFC, (laughs) coaches you don't have to worry about, right, until maybe you actually play play this year. Exactly right. Now all of a sudden you can get the inside scoop. Hey, how do you how do you teach this deuce block with this guard and this tackle? How do you teach the ace block? How do you what are what are some of the things that you coach? What I mean, these are things that again, it's not like Sean Kugler needs any of that. It isn't. He doesn't, but yet at the same time, this is what coaches do. The vast the grapevine is vast and varied, and suddenly they sit around and they talk about players and they talk about schemes. And this is this is the team, the Cardinals pick? Is that by happenstance? Is that by chance? No. They went out and they signed Max Williams, and they went out and brought Zach Ertz back. The first move they made was to go 12 personnel, basically, with James Conner. Yeah, let's go to the Tennessee Titans and practice with them, who do the exact same thing more than any other team in the league in terms of using two tights. Uh, Real quick, adding Will Hernandez, this is a guy that was coached in college, actually, by Sean Kugler, when Kugler was uh, the head coach at Utah, so he's got those ties. Uh, So, I I mean, I like that stuff, and and that may not prove to be anything, but I think if nothing else, it proves that Sean Kugler probably was part of the process here. If yeah, I've coached that guy before. I want him on my offensive line. This guy, Will Hernandez, has started fifty-six of sixty-two possible games in the NFL. This guy is a brawler. Again, I'm, he's not going to go to the Pro Bowl. He's not going to be an All Pro. All he's going to do is immediately improve the the toughness and the tenacity and the physicality of your football team. Yeah, I'll take that guy. 
Coming up, the Phoenix Suns are closing in on their franchise win total. So what would it mean to the Valley if they do break it? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Wolf and Luke. The Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Yeah, that run to the playoffs is starting soon. The first day of the actual NBA playoffs, not the play-in rounds, but the actual playoffs is April 16th. So that is three weeks from this past Saturday. So the Suns, most likely, are going to play April 16th. 16th or April 17th, one of those two weekend days. Uh, and we don't know who their opponent is. We're not going to know that for a while. But, Wolf, we know that the Suns are going to be in a pretty good spot. We know they're going to be the number one seed, 61-14. and 14. Look at their next two games, okay, this, this, uh, this road trip coming up. They can tie the franchise record Wednesday in Golden State. If they win that game, and Golden State just lost to Washington last night, if they win that game, they can break the franchise record in Memphis on Friday night. If you want to talk about sending a Sicilian message, I don't know that you're going to send much of one to Golden State if Steph's not playing, but you could send one to Memphis on Friday night. No doubt about it, man. And this is one of the things I love most about the Phoenix Suns is their willingness to compete and be able to replicate that willingness on a regular basis the way that they do. They are so consistent in their approach. I've... Since I have been doing this on the radio, ladies and gentlemen, I've been doing radio since 1998 here in Arizona. 1998. I have never seen a team with this kind of characteristic and this kind of consistency. Not professionally. I have never seen a team over and over and over again compete and do it as consistently as they do. I, I can't argue with that. I mean, like I said earlier, we're, you're almost running out of words to describe what they do on a nightly basis. Uh, more than anything, I'm blown away with their ability to get this fired up for preseason games. It's almost like they find a different storyline going into each game. And if you look at the games they have left, Wolf, it's not going to be that hard to find storylines for some of these. I mentioned Golden State on Wednesday, okay? You could tie the franchise record. Yes. Up until you break the franchise record, I don't think it's going to be hard to find motivation for any of these games. But even if it were, okay, you got Golden State Wednesday, you got Memphis Friday. Memphis is honestly looking more and more like the team that I don't want to say worries me, but that that I would have the most concern over in the playoffs right now. It's still going to be Golden State. Ja. But but Memphis is because they're kind of an unknown and they don't seem to know any better. Then you got Oklahoma City. Then next Tuesday you're home against the Lakers. It's possible the Lakers could miss the play in completely. So if you're the Suns and you just kind of bury them in eleventh place. Why not, right? Yes. And then you close with the uh, the Clippers, Jazz, and Sacramento. This is Devin Booker. He was asked over the weekend what it would mean to get the franchise win record, which, again, it's 62, is uh, would tie the record. They are 61-14. and 14. They could still win 68. This is Booker. That's everything, you know, especially this isn't just any, any old franchise. This is a very story, rich history-having franchise. So, you know, to go up there with... With those ones, those guys that have, that have shaped and turned this into a, a basketball town, um, you know that that would be a, a true honor. Where do you begin when you talk about Devin Booker as well? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's, there, now you could, oh. you could have a, a two-hour conversation just on Booker over the last couple of weeks. But to his point on the franchise record, 
I think maybe maybe it means more to like Suns fans that have been here for fifty years watching the Suns. To me, it's it, it obviously means more what's going to happen in the playoffs. But I, I will say this, Wolf: this year's team should have the franchise record because I think this is the best team in Suns history. And that's not a knock on I, the ninety two ninety three team, but to 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 follow up going to the finals. Which is not something even those the, the the seven seconds or less era team ever did to follow that up with a season that might be the best in franchise history. They deserve to have the franchise record. You know what? Honestly, I think you're probably right about that, Luke. I do. I don't know if there's too many people out there that would disagree with you coming off of the finals and then doing what you've done this year. Unbelievable how great this basketball team is. And Devin Booker, you know, it's it's funny. You bring him up and the smoldering intensity of Devin Booker, as we all know, he was a bull mastiff. When you talk about dogs yesterday, he was a bull mastiff yesterday. 35 points in 35 minutes. And if you watch that game once again, his effort on the defensive end of the floor, I'm, I'm just... This guy, what a stud. A bull mastiff in Devin Booker, indeed. Hey, listen, we're all dogs. We got a pack of dogs out there. There's no doubt. We understand. Everyone's barking. His bark just seems to be a little deeper. (laughs) And his bite is something that could leave a mark. Well, 22 points in the first quarter is not something you see every day. So if you're talking about setting the tone early in the game. That was intentional. Do you think he went out there and said, man, I'm telling you right now, just get me the ball. I just somehow, some way. Do you think it was intentional with Devin Booker? I, I think something is up with Devin Booker and not in a bad way. He keeps talking about being disrespected, whether, and I, I'll give him credit, he's not focusing it just on him. In fact, a lot of times he focuses on, on how the Suns are disrespected nationally. All of them keep coming back to how Monty Williams should have won Coach of the Year last year, and it was one of the dumber decisions I've ever seen the voters make. I, I thought it was a foregone conclusion he won Coach of the Year last year, and they're like, well, this guy took the Knicks to better than bad, so he wins. So they're all, you can hear, talking like, if Monty Williams doesn't win again this year, it's it's. Did you hear DeAndre Ayton uh, over? Was yeah, it Friday, a matter of where he said yes. he's going to Mars if yes. Monty Williams doesn't win Coach <laughs> of the Year. I just do. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something like that that it's it's. They're all aware of it, but it really seems to be driving Devin Booker because I mean, look at his point totals here lately, and and it's not even the point totals; it's the way he's playing. But he's averaging 31 points a game in March right now. Yes. Um, to answer my own question, do I think that was intentional? You better believe it. He came out, he scored 22 points in the first quarter. Yeah, I think that was intentional. What's amazing about it was, of course, they didn't play very well in the first quarter. They did not. How many points did they give up to Philadelphia in that first quarter? Too many. Way too many. I think it was 39 39 points. Yeah, in that they were down 39-37. Yeah, 39 points in that um, first quarter. And then look what they did every quarter after <laughs> that. It was a stranglehold by the Phoenix Suns. And then when that fourth quarter rolled around, guess what? We've all seen this before. 18 points. They allowed the 76ers, one of the best offensive teams in the association, in the basketball universe... To score 18 points in the fourth quarter. You got it. You Listen, none of this is an accident. This is the great thing about it. When I say, is it was it intentional? Yeah, I think D-Book wanted to come out and say, let's go. You want to brawl? Let's brawl. Here we go. Yeah, I think, I think his intensity level was through the roof. 
Your point on the uh, on the scoring by quarter. If you want a game to symbolize what the Suns have done this season, Philadelphia's points per quarter, okay? Like you said, 39 in the first, 25 in the second, 22 in the third, 18 in the fourth. <laughs> like if that game had gone a fifth quarter, they would have scored like seven. <laughs> and that Just is... locking it down, That's man. one of the best teams in the NBA, and this is the, the conversation yeah. that we have to have. Again, I'm not sitting here comparing the Suns team to the 95-96 Bulls or the 16-17 no. Warriors that won 72 and 73 games, but I'm comparing them to the other teams in the league in 2022 right now. Nobody seems to be their peer at this moment. And and I mean that over the course of the entire season. Now, it could change in the playoffs. I'm, I'm, I'm setting the playoffs aside for a second. But in terms of what we're seeing from the Phoenix Suns in the regular season, to have a nine-game lead over everybody else, they've had that lead pretty much all season, too, Wolf. It feels like they started the season with a nine-game lead. And if you want to talk about the 76ers and that win uh, yesterday... If you told me Phoenix wasn't going to win the title, Philadelphia is one of like maybe four teams I could even wrap my head around maybe winning the title. Yeah. And the Suns just decided in the second half, oh, no, we're winning this game. Sorry, go away. <laughs> they do it to everybody. Well, this is what I was talking about. They do do it to everybody. There's no doubt. But to me, once again, they wanted to win this game. So they did. <laughs> it's not supposed <laughs> to work like that. It, it's not. It is not, but you know they did. This is why I say it was intentional. D-Book came out 22 points in the first quarter. Hey, listen, you, Chris Paul is their MVP, but Devin Booker is their best player. Can you imagine if everything worked that way? Like if you went to your boss, whoever, wherever you're listening right now, you just like, I want a promotion. So give me one. <laughs> or if you went and bought gas, and like, I don't want to pay $12 a gallon. Give me a normal yes. price. They're not going to, you're not going to just get what you want. The Suns take what they want. And this is the great thing about it is they want to win every game. You can see it on their face. It's the reason why they compete at this incredibly consistent level. But they wanted to win this game. You could see they wanted to win this game to send that Sicilian message. Because of the 76ers and how good they are. So they did. They played Chris Paul 36 minutes in this game. Devin Booker came out and scored 22 points in that first quarter. They wanted, wanted. Listen, there's want and then there's wanted. <laughs> you get my Wait, point. can you do that again? <laughs> there's, there's want. There's want. I would like that. And then there's wanted. This is Jay Crowder. No meaningless games. I mean, the, the motivation has come from last year, going our way to the finals and not achieving the main goal. So that's the ultimate motivation. That's, that's all you need. Um, to, you want to get back there, you want to you have a different story. So uh, you can't skip any steps leading up to that point. So we're aware of that, and that's the motivation in the game. So uh, we take that with us night in and night out. How, how many movies is the plot line, okay, this person was just going along, and then they were wronged, Wolf. Yes. And they, they spent the next, not basketball season, but they, they were just on a mission to right that wrong. How dare you? Yeah. The Suns were just going along last year. They were just going to win the title. Milwaukee took it from them, and they took it personally, and they have taken it personally <laughs> every single day. Do you know how hard that, that is to do? Do you know how hard that is to do after you get to the NBA Finals and you win the first two games of the series? And everyone's like, well, this is going to be over in five. Uh, and, People and, were hoping it would take five so they could and, win here. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, you lose that series. 
And and we were talking about this and have been talking about, especially in the first half of the season. How hard is that to to summon your passions for a regular season game? Game number thirteen of eighty two. Game number thirty one of eighty two. How hard is it to consistently summon your passions to play with the kind of desperation we see the Suns play with on a on a nightly basis? How hard is that? Not to let's hey let's get back to the playoffs and let's get this over with, okay? Yeah, they have not looked past any step of the way, any step of the process in being a great team, and it's truly amazing. They lost. Game six to Milwaukee on July 20th. Everything changed at that point. Would you agree? Either they were going to go down that path of like, oh, we can't get motivated for regular season games. And we've been talking about the Suns right now as like maybe the three seed. Or can they flip the switch? That was either going to be the team they became. How many teams have we seen get close, not win, and then disappear? Yes. You were either going down that path or you were going down this path where you almost look superhuman as Great a team. Point. There was no just, well, we'll try it again next year. You were either going to crumble under that or you were going to become this team that is 61 and 14. And Wolf, honestly, you look at those two numbers, it's almost the 14's almost more believable to me because I don't remember them losing 14 games. <laughs> like, I can remember like three losses this season. So, yeah, it's a. Uh... So it's fun. That's how we're going to summarize that. Coming up, the NCAA tournament has gift wrapped the perfect storyline for March Madness, and we'll get into it next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.